Hello everyone. So this is a little different. I'm sitting here in the basement of my house all alone recording myself on my phone. And I'm so missing all of you ladies. I'm missing as I'm sure all of you are um, gathering on a Wednesday morning at the church and the sweet fellowship of meeting in person over a cup of coffee or tea and those delicious homemade treats that we've all been so spoiled with. Sharing laughter, hugs, tears, prayers, sharing life together. But what a blessing it is at this time to have these podcasts where we could continue with our Bible studies, giving us the opportunity to stay connected as we look together in His Word. And when one of these podcasts comes to the end, don't let it stop there. Call a friend, talk about this lesson, share your thoughts and discuss it, encourage each other, pray for each other and watch that bond of friendship bloom and grow. So this morning we'll be looking at Psalm 19. And if you have your Bibles, please open them up with me to this psalm. If you don't, that's okay. Just listen along as I read it from the ESV Bible. Psalm 19. The title tells us the audience to the chief musician, and it tells us that this is a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also for from presumptuous sins, and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us as we study this psalm together. Lord, we thank you for this time where we can open up your word read it, study it, and see the things that you want to reveal to us. Even though these days are a little different and we're apart from each other, I pray that your presence will comfort and strengthen us, giving us the the desire to continually focus on you, knowing that for those who love you, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to your purpose. So be with us now, be with me as I share these things and that you've laid on my heart. Be with each lady as they tune in to listen, to learn, 
to hear your voice. May you speak to us and may we have open hearts to hear. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it will be almost two years since Rick and I flew to Arizona for a special summer vacation celebrating our anniversary. The scorching sun beamed down on us as we traveled west across the dry, hot desert. 125 degrees hot to be exact. Red rocks lined the landscape with blooming deserts, an abundance of cacti, and petrified forests. The pink and orange skies gave way to nightfall as we approached Palm Desert, California. We found ourselves entering a unique city lined with tall palm trees and surrounded by dunes, rocks, flowering bushes, and succulents of all kinds. And yes, of course, more cacti. It was beautiful. But nothing compares to the beauty that I was going to encounter next. Rick had been to the Grand Canyon when he was a child, and he was so excited to bring me there so that I could experience it too. And as we began what felt like a very long journey, I wondered how grand it really was going to be. There was nothing but flat, dry land in the distance. Every now and then we drove by a few trees, but there was nothing pointing to a wow moment. I told myself that even if I wasn't going to, if, even if it wasn't going to be that exciting, I would say, wow, this is great. Thanks for bringing me here. But because I could see on Rick's face that he was eager to have me see this so-called natural wonder of the world, and I didn't want to spoil the moment or burst his bubble. So finally, we drove and drove and we made it to our destination and entered the park. We picked up our tour guide map book and headed to one of the many trails. I still had no idea what to expect. I was still wondering if I would be disappointed. Lookout point this way. Okay, we're here. With much excitement, Rick exclaimed, Look! To be honest, I was speechless, which is rare. I stood there and I was in awe and wonder. In awe of how majestic and beautiful the view was and the enormity of it. I really can't explain what I saw. The Grand Canyon is truly beyond words. It was breathtaking. Not only because it was majestic, beautiful, amazing, and grand, but because I knew that behind all that beauty stood a creator. The glorious design of these rocks and rivers and waterfalls, they spoke of the glorious designer behind it. At that moment, God spoke. His creation spoke of how majestic, beautiful, amazing, and grand he is. It truly manifested the glory of God. And so God speaks. But what is he saying to us? Looking back at our study in Romans in chapter 1, verse 20, Paul wrote, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. God speaks to us, revealing himself magnificently in creation. To all mankind, his glory is revealed in nature. And in Psalm 19, David is telling us that God speaks. 
He speaks in the skies. Let's look at verses 1 to 4a. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Here we read that the heavens proclaim. They are talking. They are declaring the glory of God and the works of his hands. Not by sounds or words, but instead they are communicating to us that God exists. That he is powerful. He created everything that exists and he holds it in his hands. His glory is made known every day in every corner of the planet. His great work reaches all people, no matter what their language. It's a message that has gone out through all the earth. Think about the majestic Canadian Rocky Mountains, the roaring oceans, the Sahara Desert located on the African continent, the Grand Canyon in Arizona, Mount Everest in the Himalayas peaking over 29,000 feet above sea level, the Amazon River in South America as it spans over 4,000 miles, Australia's Great Barrier Reef, which is composed of over 2,900 individual reefs and 900 islands stretching for over 2,300 kilometers over an area of approximately 344,400 square kilometers. These natural wonders around the world aren't just random. They didn't just come about or simply as you go outside and see the lakes and trees or look up at the skies. The skies display his craftsmanship, David said. David, being a shepherd, he obviously spent a lot of time outside, leading his flock to green pastures, and probably then in the quiet night, gazing up at the brilliant starry skies, like a beautiful painting on a wall. And so he recognizes how much more glorious the artist himself is. Think about it. While we've all been practicing social distancing and being confined to our homes, we've found more time to go outside for walks and enjoy the pleasures of fresh air and sunshine. Have you noticed how quiet the streets have been? It's like the whole world has stopped. The traffic has subsided and there's no booming airplanes flying over Georgetown. We find ourselves heading out and enjoying nature, listening to the birds chirping, hearing the wind blow, watching sunrises and sunsets, we've come to appreciate it all and realize what's in front of us. God speaks. God speaks in the skies telling us of his glory, otherwise known as natural revelation. John Piper says, The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's perfections. How can we say, Does God really exist? We have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. All we need to do is look around at his glorious design of the universe. It speaks of the glorious designer behind it, of his power and wisdom. In verses 4b to 6, we read, In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and, like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, 
and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The sun, it was pointing to the fact that the sun was a god. It was, sorry, the sun, it wasn't pointing to the fact that the sun was a god. As many in David's time worshipped the sun, the stars, the moon. No, this sun described here is the sun that God had created and has put in place. The sun that was with its incredible power and brilliance, providing warmth and heat and energy. It emerges each day and joyfully runs its course. The sun points to the God, the one who made the sun, the one who should be worshipped. God speaks in nature, and as we look upward into the skies, the stars, the suns, the hills, the whole universe, they speak of God's glory. But they can't tell us the whole story. They can't tell us about God's love his grace, his mercy, his judgment. So now David tells us we need to look downward, down at the scriptures. And scripture is special. It's called special revelation. It's God's word that can tell us about life, death, love, relationships, and future. So not only do we need natural revelation, but we need this special revelation. God's word where he reveals himself and he speaks about his greatness and speaks of all that he has done for us. As we read verses 7 to 10, take note that David no longer uses the same word when he refers to God as he did in the first section of this psalm. He now uses God's name, the Lord, Yahweh, which is actually the name of God. So in these next few verses, David is showing us that God has revealed his own name in the scriptures. The law of Yahweh is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The rules of Yahweh are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So here we see that David gives six descriptions of the word of God. He says the law is perfect. The law being the instruction given in the scriptures. They are perfect. They're blameless, complete, sufficient. The law tells us about sin, the effects of sin, our need of a savior, the perfect, complete sacrifice of our savior. It tells us so much about the now, but it also tells us about what is to come and how we can come into fellowship with God. The law is complete. This perfect law, it revives or refreshes our soul. There's power in reading and hearing, studying and applying God's word. It assures us of forgiveness and gives us life. It provides us comfort and encouragement and restores or returns us back into a, into a right relationship with him. David says the testimony is sure. God's word doesn't change. It is sure, trustworthy, reliable, certain. It makes wise the simple. Simple meaning naive, 
those that are open-minded, humble, and teachable, and come to the scriptures. They are ones that are built up, growing in an understanding of who God is and his instructions. He says the precepts are right. God's word, the commands and directions contained within it are always right. It gives us guidance. God's word won't mislead you, but instead it will bring you joy to your heart. God's word keeps you on the path of righteousness and it keeps you in a right relationship with him. He says the commandment is pure. God's word is pure because he is pure and holy. Pure, it's often used to describe the purity and radiance of sunlight. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in John 1, 9, John describes Jesus as the true light, which gives light to everyone. God's word is pure. It enlightens the eyes. Like the, sun's sh- like the sun sheds light into our world, God's word sheds light on our path, on our daily walk, helping clarify our vision. Helping us by putting light on a number of issues, marital issues, financial issues. It gives light to all situations of life. David then says that the fear of the Lord is clean, The fear of the Lord being an appreciation of God's awe and majesty. The fear of the Lord is the effect that God's word should have on us, on our hearts. It causes us to have a reverence for him, an effect that purifies us and endures forever. It is clean, without defect, without error. It doesn't change. David says the rules are true. God's word is true. His rules, his judgments, his decisions. There's nothing false, misleading, or unrighteous in his word. God reveals himself to us in his word, and when we study and meditate on it, these truths are revealed to us. Truths about sin, forgiveness, heaven, hell. His word is altogether righteous. He provides us truths about how he would have us live. In verses 10 and 11, it says this of the scriptures. They're more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. King David desired and valued God's word. He was a man of wealth. He knew what riches were and the value of them. Yet he realized that God's word was valued more than fine gold. It's more desirable than any earthly treasure, more valuable than any precious metal, more valuable than gold, pure gold. Gold, precious and beautiful to touch and look at, valuable. Yet as we can attest from these past few weeks, it's only temporal. It's an earthly treasure that cannot satisfy. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, the Apostle Paul says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The perfect law of the Lord is a precious, valuable investment, an investment in our soul that guards our heart. Nothing should command our attention or our affection more than the word of God. 
As we study it, memorize it, and meditate upon it, it will guard you and keep your way pure. David says it's sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. If you've never had honey right off of a honeycomb, you don't know what you're missing. Growing up, we had family friends who were beekeepers, and my dad would buy honey by the tubful. It was so rich and flavorful and had a sweetness that's far beyond sweet. It's a sweetness that's really indescribable. Yet even in Psalm 119, verse 103, David states, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word is sweeter than the sweetest, stickiest drippings of honey. Do we love and treasure God's word the way that David did? Do we value and treasure it more than fine gold and the purest, sweetest honey? Do we value and treasure it more than our health, our wealth, our precious possessions, all the stuff we have or want? We've seen in the past few weeks how all these things are but temporal, how the world has tried to make these things so important to us, yet they failed us. When they're gone, they are powerless and empty. Yet God's word is perfect, complete, sufficient, trustworthy, reliable. It provides guidance, is pure, holy, and true. There's nothing more valuable than knowing and keeping God's word. God's word is of such importance and so valuable because it both warns and guides the faithful. It keeps them on the path of life and reward. It warns, of, it warns us of our sinfulness, of temptations, of sins. It tells us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. It rewards us. It guides and leads and directs us in a path that will help us avoid falling into sin. David says in Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word helps us in our times of trouble. It leads us to Christ, our Redeemer, the one and only one who provides us hope and is our true one true refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. But it's not simply enough that we know the word, but it's that we observe it, being obedient to it. And in obeying by God's grace, he provides us his peace and security. David wrote in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Should we not be willing to not only know his word, but be obedient to it as we long for that peace and security in our lives? And as we look further into verses 12 and 13, we see the need for the grace of God in our soul. And we see that God is speaking inwardly to us. Verse 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. God speaks to us in the skies. In nature, he reveals his glory. How awestruck we are at that. God speaks to us in the scriptures. In his word, he reveals his greatness. How amazing he is. And now we look at ourselves. How yuck. What do we see? 
errors, faults, hidden thoughts, and sin, David realizes his need for forgiveness. Forgiveness from his errors, his faults, his sins, his need for protection from sinning even more. Forgiveness for sins that are committed but forgotten, sins that are committed but not repented of, sins that are committed in private that are kept hidden, sins that are committed but in, but in ignorance, not knowing that they were sins. In Romans 3.23, Paul tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. David saw the need for forgiveness and reconciliation in his life. God spoke to him as he focused inwardly, looking to God for cleansing. Is God speaking to you as you look closely at yourself? Do you see your weaknesses, your failures, your need for forgiveness and reconciliation? As we're told to stay home now and spend more time with our families than we usually have, have our words been unkind or impatient? Or perhaps you find yourself alone these days and resentment and bitterness is beginning to creep in. Do you see the need for God's grace? It's only by God's forgiveness and grace that we can become blameless before him. The scriptures reveal our sins to us, pointing us to the need of a Savior. Verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words that we say and the thoughts in our heart be pleasing and acceptable to God. May we, like David, put our trust in God to strengthen us and to rescue us. Romans 10.13, Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus. God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Nature reveals to us that God exists, and the scriptures reveal who God is, what he's done, and what he expects of us. And as we look at the beauty of the scriptures, we then can see the need for God's grace in our life. Psalm 119, verse 11, David says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The scriptures, God's word, what are you doing with it? Are you reading it and studying it, meditating on what it says? Are you memorizing it, hiding it in your heart, and then sharing it with others, making his greatness known by telling them of his love, grace, and mercy? The scriptures, they refresh the soul, make wise the simple, rejoice the heart, enlighten the eyes, endure forever. They are righteous and more desirable than gold. The scriptures warn and guide us, keeping us on the path of life and reward. God's word is perfect, complete, sufficient, trustworthy, reliable. It provides guidance, is pure, holy, and true. Now, during these unique, challenging days that we face, people are seeking comfort and encouragement. Their souls need refreshing. Now, during these unique, challenging times, people are alone. Scared and anxious, they long for joy in their heart. They need guidance and direction. They need truth. They look for hope. They need to look past pure gold and sweet honey, the pleasures of this world. They need to look to God's word where he makes himself known and to call on him.
God makes himself known through creation and his word. He wants to shape you, give you meaning and purpose to life, and to have communion with you. Let's commit to getting to know him better as we grow more in love with the one who loves us most. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the beauty all around us that points to you. But we also thank you for revealing yourself, not only through creation, but through your word. We thank you that your word is true and the many things that it reveals to us. Your promises, your faithfulness, your goodness, how it guides and leads and directs us. How it brings us to our knees, pointing us to the need of a savior. A savior that provides us hope and refuge and strength. A savior that comforts and provides peace through the storms of life. And we thank you that by your forgiveness and grace, we can become blameless before you. Lord, give us a desire to love your word, to go to it daily and to seek your face. And may our lives reflect yours. May our words and life be pleasing to you. You are our rock and redeemer. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.